Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're about to hear a monologue from our 2014 show for the past 30 years. The show was created as a celebration of the company's 30-year anniversary. And for the past 30 years, shone a light, really, on the experiences of women who'd spent the last three decades working in theatre, health, community, probation, education and business sectors. Aimed to give voice to an array of strong, impassioned women and retaining our mission to create meaningful drama with a genuine social and political agenda. We hope you enjoy them. The monologue coming up now was written by Nyla Ahmed and performed by Barty Patel. It looks at the experience of working in community theatre and theatre back in 2014. And after the monologue, there's a chance to listen to me talking to Nyla herself about whether things have changed for writers and for people working in the arts and theatre in 2020. But first, this is Rita. 55, wardrobe mistress, tea maker, goldfish. Come in! Come in! Oh, don't worry, you're in the right place, love. They're making the interns wait in here. Take a pew. Oh, not there, sorry. <laughs> That's a chair for a show. I said I'd fix the top, it's fraying. One more bum sits on that and it'll fall right through, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I would love to see the look on Millennium Dave's face if that happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, anywhere by that police uniform at, oh, and the disco jellyfish, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Now, did they say they're having the offices refurbished? But that's why you're waiting for your induction down here in the dungeons with us, not because you've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah, can't pass a paperclip these days till you've been health and safetyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're running behind a bit. Oh, I think someone may have misplaced a load of paperwork. Offices being refurbished and all that. So, yeah, don't worry. Catch your breath. No-one will know that you're a few minutes late. <laughs> oh, mind you, good job you were a bit late. We've had the leading lady down here just now. Wanted to go through some lines in a quiet place, or so she said. Hey. Oh, hey, give us a shout if you fancy a cuppa. Always calms me down, OK? Yeah, yeah, well, we're the last ones with a kettle. Everyone else has got the canteen, the green room. Oh, all those horrible machines up on the corridors. I said to him upstairs, I said, you can take everything else, but you are not taking my Russell Hobbs. I said, do you know how many late-nighters we have to pull sometimes and you want me to trudge to that horrible machine in the corridor? Huh? Oh, he got the message. I think a few of them were a bit miffed about it. But everyone is always popping down for a proper cuppa, so they can't say anything. Hey, let me just finish this and then I will pop the kettle on. <laughs> oh, 
I think she may have wanted to get out of the line of fire myself. Our leading lady, yeah, trying to avoid the wrath of Millennium Dave. Well, and to check the damage on this, her costume. Oh, it's a Lenga. It's Indian, yeah. Dress rehearsals this afternoon and all. <sighs> anyway, I should stop chatting and get on with this, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, it's always nice to have someone to talk to, though, isn't it? Well, especially down here. We used to be up in the rafters before. Oh, the stairs. Oh, they were a killer. But down here, no natural light at all. None. They don't really think about natural light and other needs, do they? <laughs> oh, it's all shopping now. Oh, that's where the others are. <laughs> it's not normally just me down here. They don't mind shopping so much, oh, but not me. But I, I'm old school. I love making things. It's not surprising, though. Most modern stuff nowadays. Well, cheaper, isn't it? Everything's about saving money. Well, like you, like you... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I probably shouldn't say, but... You work for nothing. It's not right. I know you get something out of it, but how can you prepare someone for their working life but not paying them? Oh, it beggars belief if you ask me. Hey, you do me one favour, love. You get yourself a pension. I know it's the last thing someone your age probably wants to think about, but just do it. I still haven't got one and, well, just get yourself a pension. <laughs> yeah, and stick closely to our Julie. You'll be working with her. Yeah, she's a gem. You don't get many like that nowadays. She'll make sure you get something at the end. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Hello, costume. No. 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 Yes. Bye. Oh. oh, I made that. Queen Elizabeth's coronation scene. Oh, that was in the days of plenty. I nearly went blind sewing them beads and pearls all through the night. But when he got on stage, every move she made, it was like she was dancing. It was on display for years after. And then some new guy came in and everything changed. Well, how everything looked changed, the rest is mainly the same. <laughs> I must sound like a dinosaur. Oh, I've been here that long, let me think about... Over 30 years or so, yeah? Yeah, must be. Whew. Funny, isn't it? 30 years? Three decades? Poof. Where's it all gone? I bet you're nowhere near 30, are you? <laughs> Believe it or not, I started out as an actor... Yeah, yeah, crazy, isn't it? Well, it was mostly TIE, theatre in education. Oh, I shouldn't say it like that, like an apology. Well, people, they're still a bit patronising, aren't they, about theatre and education. My old boss, Martha, oh, Martha, used to look down her nose at it. Like like this, this was proper theatre, art, and, and that was... Phew, But it was so much fun. 
Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I played a goldfish for three weeks once. But well, half a goldfish. I, I was the back end. The hottest summer for years and the stuffiest costume. Well, I couldn't complain, could I? Because <laughs> I made it. <laughs> Best three weeks ever, though. Oh, me in the front end. We got on like a house on fire, which always helps. <laughs> I did most of the costumes even back then. Well, I was good with the needle and thread and quick, too, which was Andy. My mum was a brilliant seamstress. I get it from her. She'd just look at something in a shop window or a magazine. She'd dress a little up in the afternoon listening to the radio. Oh, it's mad. To think all those days sitting with her taught me my trade for life. Not that I thought it'd be my life back then. I played old Queen Lizzie once, you know, yeah? Yeah, mind you, oh, oh, I didn't have a dress like that. Then, well, we just made do with what we had. We, we found this um, old ball gown in, in a charity shop, yeah? I went to town on it. You see that? was cheap as chips, but as was the old goldfish. But, but we, we still made stuff. We we were all connected to all of it. Oh. We took shows to to schools and community groups in in this in this cranky old ambulance. Yeah, an ambulance. I don't know where they got it from, but well, they already had it. You know, when I got involved, we drive it everywhere, everywhere in it, and it went oh, it's great. Well, except for second gear. There was a knack to second gear, and if you didn't get it, well, you'd be rolling backwards down hills and all sorts. <laughs> Do you know? Grand stages and, and, and velvet seats and, and what big sets. I, I love all that, the magic of it. But there's nothing quite like taking drama to an audience, seeing the whites of their eyes up close and, and personal... It wasn't always easy, but we were all so fired up. You know, no bras and no inhibitions. We were just going for it. My mum, my mum used to say, no bras and no brains. Honestly, I'd come downstairs and the bra police would be at the door. You'd be throwing them over your shoulder when you're my age if you carry on like this. Well, and then she'd shout at me, yeah, down the street after me. I'm still wearing mine to bed. <laughs> I don't think she ever got it. But, wow. Then she was just worried about me future south-facing memories. <laughs> no, no one's really fired up now. Not like then. A director I, I worked with in those days, oh, really done well for herself, actually. She said to me once, years later, politics just isn't political anymore, Rita. And I could see it in her, that fire. But of course she was mainly angry about the fact that no one was getting angry anymore. Well, there didn't seem to be a burning need to be responding to anything in the 90s and beyond. I mean, everyone had so much money. Just stop and think about it, I guess. Now the world turns, eh? Back to the land of tight budgets and job cuts we go. Now it's all about... Do you know something? I don't even know what it's all about. But maybe that's it. You know, we thought something up 
and just did it back then. We, we, we took it right to the people we thought needed it most. I, I think it was the simplicity, the direct connection between the idea and the realisation of the idea. That's what made it so good. Martha, Martha used to say, the play is the thing the beating heart at the centre and you've got to be connected to it for all this to be worthwhile. <laughs> I think those TIE days were when I was closest to that beating heart. <sighs> Do you know, sometimes... I... Oh, no, I... <laughs> I was just going to say, sometimes I wish I hadn't stopped. I, I love this. I love this, you know, but I, I wish... Well, I lost my job at this uh, furniture shop and, and me, me mom fell ill. So when a permanent job came up here, she, she just told me to go for it. You know, to think about my future. I, I came for an interview and... Lo and behold, I didn't think I'd get it. I did it for her, I suppose, so, well, she wouldn't die worrying about my future. Well, she used to worry about me so much. What had happened to me, cos I never, well, I never thought about the essential things. Well, she'd be spinning in her grave, you know, if she knew I didn't get a pension. Oh, just get one, please, I beg you. <laughs> she came to see me once, perform, just the once. She didn't like me up there on display, I reckon. Exposed. I think she always felt like she had to protect me because, well, I was half-cast. That, well, that's what, that's what they used to call it back then. I don't think Mum ever stopped calling it that. But well, since then, it's been a mixed race, mixed heritage. Uh, now it's uh, a dual heritage, apparently. <laughs> All those terms to try and put you in a category. <sighs> You know, to be honest, it was probably her that felt exposed. Me mum, I mean. I know she didn't ever like it, but she, well, she couldn't get me into a bra. She wasn't about to make me give up my dream, no. Now, in the end, I, I just... I, I didn't have the stamina, I guess. Oh, you know, I mean, it was great in a lot of ways. It, I, I, well, I was almost always working. Well, whenever anybody needed a brown woman, I mean, <laughs> literally any time anybody needed a brown actress, it was me or, or this other actress at the time that went for it. One of us always got it. And then we realised that was the pattern to it. I got all the Indian Pakistani roles and, and she generally got all the Bengali Gujarati roles, yeah? Oh, our agents were happy. <laughs> we used to meet up and laugh about it. Or if there was something we really thought the other one wanted, we, we just didn't turn up for the audition. Job done. <laughs> yeah. You know, after playing about a million battered wives in forced marriages, I just, oh, I just couldn't do it anymore. I'm, 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 I'm not Pakistani or or, or Indian, or, well, or Gujarati or Bengali. My dad was Indonesian. Yeah, my mum's from Smethwick, and it's her that I grew up with here in England. Yeah, 
once I was on this stage playing an immigrant woman who'd, who'd just arrived into this country after a forced marriage into a nightmare scenario where her seemingly devout hubby, was he was shacked up with a white woman he hadn't mentioned. I didn't have any lines. I mean, I'm meant to be a whirlwind of, of shocking experiences. I had not one decent line, not, not even in the character's mother tongue. Not that I'd been able to speak it, though. I'm on stage. I'm looking into the face of this actress, and she she was playing a social worker, saying, I know English. I just knew it. I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Do you know, it's... It's like whatever I was playing, I was a fake. And then, and then I realised that there wasn't going to be any roles for a Burmese Brit from Smethwick any time soon. I think I, I was just trying to know how, how to be me, you know, how, how not to always be one or the other, but how to look both ways. Acting didn't let me do that back then. At least this way, I get to be on stage without all the presumption. Well, that's why, that's why I loved my time in TIE. I was playing anything from Queen Elizabeth to the arse end of a goldfish and no one batted an eye. Excuse me. Hello, costume. Hang on. Dave, hang on. Hang on. Listen, I know. I'm fixing it now. Yeah, but... They were only missing. I know, I know, I know, but... Dave, it's not worth it. All right, all right. I'm putting the kettle on. Oh, Millennium Dave, bless him all. Now there's a chap who needs to take it easy. Our leading lady, hmm, decided to swing on the swing on stage and... Let's just say it wasn't rigged for swinging on. And no, I know I shouldn't laugh, but, well, no-one was hurt, thank God, but, well, she did tear this, her costume, and, oh, she got a right rollicking from the stage management. Oh, bless our Dave, though. He, he must have spent two days putting it up, and then, well, he comes in here saying, there's not even one scene in the whole show where the swing gets swung on. What's the bloody point, he said. <laughs> Truth is, I don't know. I don't know myself, but I don't say anything. I've learned to keep out of it all, just like Martha taught me. (laughs) Oh, Martha. She only left a few years ago, Martha. She lasted a good 40 years plus here, though, well, she could have gone on for a good few more, except some bright spark upstairs decided to give her a dressing down, yeah. Over a bloody shopping list! Oh, I was livid. She got an email saying she'd overspent on post-its and tea bags. It's that beating heart, isn't it? Well, I mean, when it becomes about tea bags and bloody post-it notes, then, then you know you're disconnected. I mean, she'd been here, been here all that time, and and some random guy walks in telling her she didn't know how to keep to a budget. <sighs> she left after that. I blame Thatcher. Yeah, yeah, you can always blame Thatcher, can't you? Bless her. Our last AD, but one, artistic director, actually, did something so small but so effective. At the half, all the lights in the building, this building, the, the, the offices, the loos, kitchens, all of them, 
that just dimmed for a few seconds and then they'd go back up again. Yeah, just a small thing. But no matter where you were in the building, no matter what you were doing, you knew they were about to go on stage. Yeah, in the smallest way, everyone. You know, from the, from the AD to the cleaning staff got a reminder of what this building was actually for. <laughs> oh, walk at me, Millennium Dave will be here in a minute, expecting the kettle to be on. I've got to get this finished too. Eh? Me and me tetley tea bags firefighting again. <laughs> Do you fancy a cup of tea now, hmm? You must be thinking... Is she calling him that? Hmm? Well, Millennium Dave, now that is a story. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Hello, costume. Yeah, she's here and waiting. Okay. <laughs> well, they're ready for you, so hey, you'll have to wait. Come down for a cuppa when you're settled in. Hmm? I'll tell you all. <laughs> I'll see you, love. Yeah, hey, good luck. You've just heard Barty Patel performing Rita and listen on to hear my conversation with the writer Nyla Ahmed where we talk about changes or not for artists and theatre makers in 2020 as opposed to 2014. If you enjoyed hearing Rita's story, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. So I'm very pleased to be talking to Nyla Ahmed, who wrote our piece about the theatre. Now, I said to you before, Nyla, what, 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 we didn't really have a title for that one, but you said, what did you say? Uh, I said the title I've always had in my head is Post-its and Teabags. Well, now, why was that? Um, it's sort of where the piece ends. There's a woman called Martha who trains our protagonist in her life, who she talks about. Mm. And the end of Martha in her world of theatre and costume making came over something as seemingly innocuous as post-its and notes and tea bags, which she'd gone over budget ordering. And I thought that was really nice because it is, they're sustaining. So in stationary terms, post-its can sustain you yeah. as a stationary lover. And in theatre terms, a cup of tea can sustain you in late nights or stressful situations. And they're the things that sort of brought the downfall when things changed in our protagonist's sort of... And I was lucky enough to go out and do some research with you. And that idea, that was actually came from somebody's story, wasn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. I think it came from a, a woman who was talking about her work in ballet, mm. costume making. Mm. Um, and it's just interesting when you think of the highest moment in ballet of someone flying through the air in a beautiful costume... And then you think of somebody's sort of end time, the people that make those beautiful costumes, it ending on something as mundane as ordering, you know, as I say, the things that sustain you, stationery and tea bags. It's, right. I think it says, a, I think in a, in a way that it, to my mind, feels really nice and rounded, it says something about what the piece is saying and what her experience is saying. And when when we created those pieces, we did the research and then you went and wrote it, that was in 2014, and gosh. here we are. I know, gosh. <laughs> um, and listening to it again, do you think it, what, what sticks out of you is something that belonged to that time that's changed now, or is it the same, do you think? 
That's a really interesting question. Um, the only thing I would say that might have changed between then and now is that, but I don't think I have the research to back this up, mm -hmm. is that I would imagine that she would have left by now. Okay. So I think that, you know how uh, now we are seeing the end of war veterans and people who experience that time. I think for in a much smaller way, for this changing of how things are in a time of cuts and austerity, I think we're possibly seeing the end of people that saw the times when it wasn't like that. Oh, so we may have been well seeing the end of people who've done their job for 30 years maybe and have possibly. seen a whole story happen. Yes. Although she doesn't have a pension, so she no. might still be and have be you working. got a pension, Nyla? No. So anybody listening to this podcast, get a pension, that I is the you. message, get a yes. pension, we beg you. That's Particularly in the arts, because obviously this, this territory is looking at the arts. And one of the things that really struck me was this idea is that the play's the thing, the beating mm. heart. And where do you think we are with theatre now in 2019? What's its role? <sighs> I do think that it is less and less brave. Mm -hmm. And I think sadly it's because it's more and more about having to get the money in to sustain the theatre's existence. However, if you do all of that and then don't have the space to make the stuff that wouldn't otherwise get made and seen and heard, and that belongs to now, Janice. Mm -hmm. I have to say, there are lots of people that would probably want to murder me for this, but I'm tired of seeing stuff from 100 years ago that is supposed to be fabulous and brilliant and we know it, and it is. I have no qualms with that. I may not enjoy some of it personally. It might not speak to me, but I get it. But I just think that theatre, in my very, very small experience of it as a person, it's not my world completely, but it's a world I've dipped in and out of and loved it when I have. But it can do so much more for so much less and speak to so many more people. And I really just feel sad, I think, when I go to these massive main stage productions of you know, Shakespeare or Pinter or... And everybody loves Shakespeare, everybody loves Pinter, yeah, okay. But it's like everybody in the audience is somebody that it feels to me like they have learned how to like these people okay. and respond in that way. So you're keen... Obviously, our character in here, she'd got a background of TIE and making very immediate theatre and taking it out. Is that happening as much, do you think? I don't think so. I think... Lots of people I know who work in theatre and who worked in TIE and still do go into schools, but I'm not sure that full productions go. But again, I'm really not in that world, so there may be loads going on that I don't know about. I would, however, theoretically be of the viewpoint that it's a brilliant way to communicate. I mean, I've never n spoken to young people who have engaged in their school life with a learning process that involved some sort of dramatic performance in front of them and they didn't really thoroughly enjoy it and it spoke to them more so perhaps than somebody giving a talk. Yeah. So I do think it's a brilliant tool. But given that parents are having to pay for school things like pencils and books, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, to it's what very extent. interesting. The cuts in the arts and the access and there's there's been quite a lot of talk recently about the way that the class system is very apparent in the arts where yes. 
a lot of performers. I've got a kind of private school background. And I was interested in, in your character because she not only she'd been in TIE, but she'd also been given all the brown lady parts. Mm. Do you think that was about that time, or is that what 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 was happening with kind of casting in terms of culture, race? That's been going for a very long time, and I don't think it's been overcome, and I don't think it's an easy thing to overcome because of what you were saying. It's just, I do think that although lots exists in and around it, there is a world of theatre that is uh, that that knows itself, that sustains itself, and that protects itself, and. And it's the main stage money-making one. And in that respect, you know, I don't think things have moved beyond, let's do Shakespeare in India. Let's do Shakespeare and make all all the cast women or all the cast brown. Whereas I want to say, let's get a woman to do something about women now and have that on the main stage. Or let's have a brown person do something about brown people now or a million years ago, but have that on the stage. So you're very, very interested in the theatre of now. Yes. So if you were right, it's interesting because you said if we were to write this now and go out and research this particular piece now, we think that that woman wouldn't be there anymore. Possibly. Although she doesn't have a pension. She that doesn't have a pension. Family. So she probably still is on yeah. some level yeah. in that basement, yeah. maybe on zero hours contracts. But it's how much it can sustain the spirit, isn't it? Clearly for me, Ah. she's somebody who is still just about connected enough just by being in the building, even though she's miffed that it's all shopping nowadays more so than making things from scratch and that um, there are lots of implications because of cuts, etc. and where they're moved to in the building and whether she can hold on to a Russell Hobbs or not. But I think that... I do wonder how long somebody at that stage can hold on when things just get taken and taken and taken and paired back and back and back. I do think that people of that who have had that experience of the best days for them would find it really difficult. I think she'd probably, I guess what I'm saying shortcut is she might be working in Tesco's rather than have the battle of her soul of going into the building every day and feeling like... And what what would a new person coming into the theatre, like you've set it with with a a young woman who's maybe going to start a career in the theatre, what do you think we lose if we lose those older voices of experience? I just think variety and Mm. we all kind of rub each other we sort of rub the edges of each other by being around one another and we learn new things and we ditch stuff that's unneeded I mean it's not to say that certain inverted commas dinosaurs don't make things difficult just because they can't let go of the old days and I'm sure there are younger people of all different ages who are thinking gosh the moment they leave we're gonna finally change x y and z system but I think that um always and always whether it be age race faith non-faith all of those different things that we all have and do and are the difference is a brilliant thing because it brings about new ideas always and And hanging on to what the spirit of it the beating heart of it as well the dimming of the lights just before the half and i don't think there's any one of us that hasn't been 
influenced or impassioned by the passion of somebody yeah. that's been pa- uh, passionate about something for a long time, whether it's a teacher that I have, whether it's your parent, whether it's somebody that lives next door to you, whether it's someone that on your first day as an intern you see, even though it might be her last year there and your first year of a 30-year career. There is always that somebody who gives you that picture, that thing that you focus on, that beating heart that makes you think, oh, yeah. And we need to pass that on. Thank you so much, Naila Ahmed. Brilliant. Great to talk to you. You Thank you. And that was me, Janice Connolly, talking to Naila Ahmed. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Now, if you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. Rita was written by Nyla Ahmed and performed by Barty Patel. And it was directed by Joe Gleave. Sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox. And the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios with Brum Radio. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. And the monologue was originally part of the stage production for the past 30 years, produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. Now, this is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity. So if you think, oh, I'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.